Welcome to the Energy Central Power Perspectives podcast. This is the podcast that brings leading minds from the energy industry to discuss the challenges and trends that are transforming and modernizing our energy system. And a quick thank you to West Monroe, our sponsor of today's show. Now, let's talk energy. I'm Jason Price, Energy Central podcast host and director with West Monroe, coming to you from New York City. And with me, as always, from Orlando, Florida, is Energy Central producer and community manager, Matt Chester. Matt, we have the opportunity to get wonky in today's episode, discussing the intricacies and nuances in the regulatory side of the utility industry. As we know, the power sector is among the most tightly regulated in the country, and it really sits in a unique position because of that. Not everyone in the industry is plugged into the day-to-day impact of that landscape. So before we dive in, can you highlight for our listeners on the Energy Central website where they may be best able to learn from the leading voices in utility regulation? Sure, Jason. I'm always happy to plug some of our great resources. So on the pages of energycentral.com, we regularly see discussion about the latest policies and proposals impacting the power sector in our utility management group. And for regulatory and policy that's a bit broader than utilities and covers the wider environmental and sustainability areas, I'd point listeners to our community that's known as the Energy Collective, which again, you can find on energycentral.com. And of course, these topics are uh, ones that come up pretty regularly on the Energy Central Power Perspectives podcast. So I'll have a quick note here for, you know, anyone listening in to definitely subscribe on whatever podcast application they're listening from now and hear those discussions that cover the latest and greatest as they have them, because we always try to bring in timely guests and topics. That's great, Matt. Thank you for that. No doubt the conversation we're set to have today will inspire some new questions and interest in the utility regulation space. As we're chatting with one of the highest ranking officials covering regulatory issues for one of the nation's more prominent and progressive utilities, Excel Energy. So we're thrilled to welcome from Excel Energy, Brooke Trammell, Regional Vice President of Regulatory and Pricing. Brooke embodies utility regulation since first joining the industry and now is at a critical junction in history where we have a lot to learn from Brooke. Let's tarry no further. Brooke Trammell, welcome to the Energy Central Power Perspectives podcast. Thank you, and thanks for having me today. Brooke, you're a self-described utility regulation nerd. Those are your words. But before we dive into some of the fun topics, share for our listeners how you found this field and where it led you at Excel Energy. I discovered utility regulation as an undergraduate in college. And I say discovered because until 2006, I truly didn't know what the utility industry entailed. I was able to land a job at New Mexico State University Center for Public Utilities. And my job was essentially to plan training conferences, basically help the university train industry professionals on the details of utility regulation. My role was essentially that of an event planner And just like any other experience, you can make more of it based on how you approach the work. I quickly met individuals from utilities and commissions across the country and connected the value of a Master of Economics degree specializing in utility regulation to a unique and likely secure career. At the time, NMSU was only one of three universities in the country that offered that degree, and that degree has since opened a world of professional opportunities for me. And paired with the relationships that I've developed over time, 
other degrees and professional experiences that I've had have catapulted my career over the last decade. So now NMSU offers a certificate program in addition to that formal degree, but I really accredit that to my start in the industry, and I'd encourage anyone who's interested to check out their program. That's great. Brooke, we brought you in today to give us a deep dive into the regulatory office at Excel. But before we do that, recently in the news, regulators in some states where you operate are permitting Excel to own the charging networks, and that is counter to what we're seeing across the country. There's been considerable pushback in the marketplace about allowing a utility to own the charging network for EVs. What was the background to this decision, and how are you managing it? Oh, great question. And it's a big part of Xcel Energy's carbon vision, including electrifying transportation. So really happy to address this off the bat today. You know, I think a lot of this controversy, if you will, or discussion stems from the traditional and foundational monopoly nature of a regulated utility and whether utility ownership of EV charging infrastructure will prevent other third party or other investment in this space. And I think what we're seeing across the country, and it does vary, is that utilities can have a role to play in investing in charging infrastructure and shouldn't be prohibited. But again, that's a intense conversation. But I think what we need to stay focused on is that all the investment from all different kinds of entities can benefit this sector. And in particular parts of the country where there's lack of infrastructure and range anxiety, we need the investment to come and serve these communities, serve these potentially underserved areas, and be respectful of the competitive forces that will ultimately drive costs down for customers, but we want to make sure the investment occurs. So I think that's why you're seeing more utilities propose active engagement in this space to ensure that the customer need is met. Yeah, and we'll certainly have to bring you back in and do a deeper dive just in that topic alone. Um, but let's get into the meat of today's discussion. You know, knowing that we're in quite a decisive decade for the power sector, and that includes for, you know, preparing the clean energy transition to getting ready for the EV revolution, which you were just discussing regarding EV charging, and for adapt the myriad of modern tools that will transform this sector. So you sit in the regulatory world, talk to us about what that means and how it impacts your role at Excel Energy. Sure. Fully regulated utilities have a tremendous opportunity to deliver customer value and meet the changing customer preferences almost in every step of our vertically integrated utility framework. That's from generation, transmission, and distribution, all the way through the customer experience components, but as well as on the demand side solutions and other customer programs. So from a regulatory or regulated perspective, the key is working really closely with our regulators and stakeholders on these key components of our strategy and discussing the perspectives through these evolutions and through these changing industry perspectives to ensure alignment, but also explain how things are operationally becoming a little more complex because perspectives are really going to differ on what the right solution is and also what the reasonable price is going to be for these potential future pathways. But as we navigate this decisive decade, effective stakeholder engagement is probably more important today than it ever has been in the past. And really understanding and respecting those different perspectives, really outlining the utility plans and understanding how they'll be evaluated and decided upon is really gonna build the alignment, maybe not always the agreement, but the alignment that we need to understand the future paths in front of us, ensuring that we pick the right path to go down. 
At XL Energy, a lot of this is materialized into starting conversations about future plans, future initiatives, future programs, future investments, again, a lot sooner than we have in the past. And it's bringing interested parties together earlier in the planning stages, sharing our vision, and integrating perspectives into that process. Regulatory processes can take a long time. They can take many, many months as filings progress through jurisdictional regulatory processes. But as we go through that journey together, as a group of stakeholders, a group of interested parties, you know, interveners, commissioners, commission staff, utilities, that's going to produce the best result at the end of the day. Sure, and no doubt, you know, laying a level of complexity on top of it is that, you know, what's interesting about Excel Energy is that you cover a wide range of states which crosses over different grid operators in different jurisdictions. I have a loaded question for you, Brooke. How do you keep track of all the rate cases, regulatory orders, and all the related regulatory requirements you have to fulfill? What does a utility regulatory office look like? What are some of the tricks to managing all this? And how does the regulatory landscape shape the way that Excel approaches planning its future? Well, first, if you look at a regulatory team, you're going to see a great group of people people from very diverse backgrounds, people who have worked in other departments in the company, people who have started their career potentially even in entirely different professions. And we process hundreds of regulatory proceedings every year in every jurisdiction. So organization is of course key. And we're increasingly finding ways to leverage technology. Uh, with geographically diverse, dispersed teams, we're leaning into the collaboration capabilities of various systems, including Teams, SharePoint, but also using these technologies to help us automate repeatable tasks, to help us coordinate project schedules and to track compliance matters. In any given day, a regulatory team or writers, or financial analysts, or project managers, or problem solvers, but probably most importantly, we're translators. Within the company, we translate regulatory decisions, regulatory implications, requirements. Similarly, externally, we translate our business and the needs of our customers and we share our story. But when it comes to planning for the future, we recognize that each jurisdiction, each community that we serve is unique. As an organization, how we approach our work has some pretty common threads across all eight states that we serve. And strategically, our priorities are to lean the clean energy transition, enhance the customer experience and work to keep bills low. So that means culturally, business strategies are evaluated alongside the regulatory effectiveness they promote within each regulatory jurisdiction. So just like I was describing earlier, it's not about regulatory effectiveness through the lens of one entity, like the utility, but rather a comprehensive evaluation of regulatory effectiveness for all stakeholders, all customer groups, and the regulators involved in making those decisions. All right, but I want to pull some customer thread a little bit here because you know, every customer is different um, in every state. So, you know, not only are the jurisdictions different, but customers may be different in terms of where their values are and what they're demanding or expecting from their utilities. So perhaps some are more eager for renewables and some are not. Some are willing to uh, pay a little bit more. Some aren't. Some are willing to, you know, offer or allow a development to go on in their community. Some do not. So where do you draw the line and how do you manage through this? When does Excel Energy plan for its future in the world you play in where regulation and pricing and how does the varying customer landscape shape general approach to all this? Well, this might sound a little simplistic, but I like to start with an initial analysis that, you know, if one were to put it down on a piece of paper, it'd probably look a little bit like a three circle Venn diagram. 
And I start this by trying to answer three questions. What do our customers want or what do our communities want? What do we want? And what is our regulator going to approve? So if the answer to those three questions is the same or looks very similar, obviously delivering on those items and achieving cost efficiencies while doing that becomes the priority. Particularly if those answers look real similar across all the states that Excel Energy serves. When alignment exists in these answers within a jurisdiction, but maybe doesn't exist across the Excel Energy footprint, our approach obviously becomes a lot more agile. And if the answers aren't lining up at all on those three questions, it's really a health check. Uh, we need to potentially check our strategy or engage externally to better understand the gap so it can be closed. That sounds really simple, but it's a good place to start. And if we can't answer for ourselves those questions, we're not ready to propose something. But like I said, if the answers aren't consistent and aren't delivering goals for all of our stakeholders, we might not have the right strategy to begin with and need to go back to the drawing board. So far, we've been talking about the challenges that Excel Energy uniquely faces given, you know, the sort of the big landscape that you cover and the diversity of the territories and such. But what about some of the benefits or opportunities that are not necessarily afforded to other utilities that you may have? Can you talk about some of those? Are there lessons you've been learning, perhaps still ones that other types, sizes or located utilities could benefit from? Well, I'll start with two benefits that I see at Xcel Energy, and I'm sure every person, every utility would start with this one, but I'll start with our people. I really believe that we've got a really great workforce at Excel and a cultural bind within the company that creates a bit of a family atmosphere, and there's such a strong commitment to service within our company and within our communities that really creates a great company culture. But also, we have pretty incredible geography, and we're very fortunate in the states that we serve to not only have these wonderful communities and wonderful employees, but access to some of the best wind and solar resources in the country. When we look at the resource profile or the resource potential, particularly for renewable resources and other clean resources, the resource profile in our backyard is very strong. And we can turn that resource profile into customer benefit. Not everyone has the luxury of having those kinds of resources again in their backyard, and that's not something that we take for granted. We're very, very fortunate for our geographic location, and uh, we do think this sets us apart even from other utilities who now have very similar goals as Xcel Energy. When it comes to lessons learned, I would offer uh, speed. As we think about the future, particularly in the next 10 to 20 years, not every customer, community, regulator, policymaker is going to want to move at the same speed. And in fact, we can probably count on they're going to want to move at different speeds. Some are going to want to move faster in a particular area. Some are going to want to move fast in every area. And some are going to challenge even what their neighboring states are doing. That's okay, but there needs to be an understanding of the pros and cons of those different paces. And as a company, we have to understand what those different paces mean for cost efficiencies in a large organization, but also what it means for where the company might be, where our customers might be, where our programs and solutions may be down the road, if we're taking a different starting point now. Again, that goes back to stakeholder engagement and helping our stakeholders and our regulators understand where the decisions we make today will place us further down the road. I want to go back to a phrase I used earlier, which we actually picked up from you in our pre-planning session, and that is that you had described this, that we're living in a decisive decade. 
Excel Energy is well known to be among the earliest and most aggressive in terms of its targets for the clean energy transition. What went into Excel Energy making this decision to lead in this uh, the way it did? And so many utilities have been anxious about being first to make such broad public goals, but Excel seems to have embraced it. Why is that? Before we announced our first carbon goal in 2018, we were confident in our ability to deliver customer cost savings, and we believed in the potential for technological advancements. So before anyone else was aggressively committing to clean energy goals, we were confident in our ability to deliver those savings because of the clean energy resource profile and our geographic footprint, but also because we were demonstrating the delivery of those savings through our Steel for Fuel initiative. We launched our Steel for Fuel initiative, which included numerous wind projects in I think over 11 states in the 2016-2017 timeframe. And since those wind farms have been developed and placed in service, we've secured over $3 billion in avoided fuel cost and PTC savings for customers across Excel Energy's footprint. I remember our CEO at the time was quoted as saying, uh, we backed up the truck because the fuel of tomorrow was on sale today. And that was really a recognition that we could capture remaining, at the time, federal production tax credits for wind generation and replace the fuel component, some of our fossil units on the system, with the fuel of the renewable wind facilities. So obviously wind doesn't have any fuel costs, so we were replacing that energy from our fossil generation with renewable energy, again, in our resource-rich service territory. We knew to get beyond 80% carbon emission reductions, we were going to need new technology and flexible technology, especially as we added more and more intermittent generation and incorporated new resources across the system. This was technology that didn't exist at the time. And in 2016 and 2017, you'd hear our CEO, Ben Folk, talk about not even knowing the technology that was going to be present in the 2030s, 40s, and 50s, but having confidence that it would be developed. So as we see today, government policy and investment community continue to fund technologies as well as provide financial support to further the development and deployment of affordable, reliable, and increasingly clean technologies. These are all proof points, in my opinion, that our vision almost 10 years ago was the right one. And the reason, as a corporation, that it hasn't changed. We continue to believe in our ability to deliver customer cost savings through the integration of renewable and clean energy resources on our system that secures our clean energy vision because it's really founded on reliability first and it's also founded on affordability because no matter how reliable our clean energy transition is going to be if it's not affordable it's not going to work for anyone nicely put and uh, i really enjoy having an opportunity to nerd out with you on some of these regulatory topics and decisive topics that uh, is impacting our industry so thank you for that so, Brooke, uh, we now are going to pivot to what we call the lightning round, which gives us an opportunity to learn more about Brooke Trammell, the person rather than the professional. Uh, we ask you a set of questions, five or six questions. You are to keep your response to one word or phrase. So, Brooke, are you ready? I am ready. What is your comfort meal? Ice cream. What superpower would you pick? As a mother of a three-year-old and a five-year-old, I'm gonna go with telekinesis. That could be very useful. Who are you inviting to your dream dinner party? And it could be a major celebrity or historical figure. 
Ooh, I would say historical figures. If I had to pick one, I think my husband would want me to invite John Wayne. That's probably a topic for another podcast as well. <laughs> if you didn't end up at your current role in this energy industry, what alternative career path would you have taken? I definitely probably would have picked a career in some kind of immersive industry. I'm going to go with animal health. This next question is an important one. Uh, given your role in regulatory, what is your trick to staying positive for the work-life balance? Effective planning. What are you most passionate about? My family. Fantastic. You have perfectly navigated our lightning round. And for doing so on the podcast, you've earned the final word. So what single most important message you hope our listeners retain and internalize from our conversation today, especially those in the utility sector that may not be as entrenched in the regulations as you are? I would offer, and I think everyone in the industry can recognize, we have a lot going on, perhaps maybe now more than ever, recommend to folks to listen at least twice as much as we speak. There's a lot we can learn from each other. There's a lot we can learn from our customers. There's a lot we can learn from other industries too. And as we see the dynamics of our industry changing and being influenced by so many other forces, customer preferences and technologies, it is really, I think, a time to lean in to what's happening around us, listen and take those perspectives and really build them into our future planning and future strategies. Fantastic. You know, Brooke, we've hit about 130 podcasts and we've rarely, if ever, had a deep discovery in the regulatory world. So I want to thank you for your insight and your uh, willingness and your busy day to share some insight and uh, best practices and perspective with uh, the Energy Central community. So thank you so much for taking the time and spending time with us on uh, Power Perspectives today. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me. I enjoy the program. As did we. And you can always reach Brooke through the Energy Central platform where she welcomes your questions and comments. We also want to give a shout out of thanks to the podcast sponsors that made today's episode possible. Thanks to Wes Monroe. West Monroe works with the nation's largest electric, gas, and water utilities in their telecommunication, grid modernization, and digital and workforce transformations. West Monroe brings a multidisciplinary team that blends utility, operations, and technology expertise to address modernizing aging infrastructure, advisory on transportation electrification, ADMS deployments, data and analytics, and cybersecurity. And once again, I'm your host, Jason Price. Plug in and stay fully charged in the discussion by hopping into the community at energycentral.com. And we'll see you next time at the Energy Central Power Perspectives podcast.